Thank you, Tony. And uh, it's a joy to be with you all uh, this morning in this Zooming way. So let's pray. Today, O oh God, show us your truth, making us wise, your love to transform our lives, and your presence to bring us peace. Amen. Well, dear friends, spring has sprung. How do we know that? Well, of course, yesterday was the spring equinox, which rather gives it away. But crucially, gardener's world has begun again. Monty Don is back on our screens. And whether you have a garden with a lawn or a window box, whether you have a courtyard or a backyard, millions of us in this pandemic have been turned into growing things flowers and veg, even if it's a few petunias and a bit of lettuce. Yesterday, I spent some time potting on, not potting out, uh, some seedlings. And uh, what's remarkable is that they start really quite small, uh, but then they grow to be little seedlings and eventually a splash of colour in the garden. But of course, the seed disappears. That's what Jesus meant. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, no fruitful plant will grow. And he speaks in this way of his death, which will bring about our salvation. But we go to the beginning. The conversation starts with two Greek visitors who wish to see Jesus. Now, Philip and Andrew could have said to, to them, oh, he's over there. But there's more to this question than where is he? These Greek visitors want to, to know and to understand and to engage with Jesus. Why do they ask the question? Well, maybe they're just inquisitive. Maybe there's been something really significant in their lives or their community. And thus, they want to see Jesus to gain from his wisdom. This spring brings us hope. But next Tuesday, 23rd of March, we will recollect that it's just a year since the Prime Minister called for the first national lockdown. And on that day, we will remember all those who have passed away, all those who have been unwell, all those with what we call long COVID, and those still in hospital. But with it, we can celebrate. We can celebrate the work of hundreds of thousands of people whose skill and dedication delivered shopping, support, food for families, scientific knowledge, medical skill, care in the community and care homes, vaccination sites, and those who can't work from home because they're workers in essential shops or transport or construction or manufacturing. We have hope. 
We have hope because vaccinations are rolling out. Children are back at school and in a week's time we'll be able to meet some other people in our gardens. But COVID-19 remains as a significant issue for us and indeed for millions around the world. Friends, if ever there was a time for us to want to see Jesus and to understand his teaching and to engage with him, this is it. Maybe something significant had happened to these two Greek citizens who approached Philip and then Andrew. And what follows is a conversation and some events in which Jesus speaks in a way, in, in a series of riddles, or if you like, illustrations, which describe his death and indicate the consequences. So, let's, from this passage, let's consider the key phrases. A grain of wheat. Speaking, John says about himself and his death. An indication of the death of Jesus, and we'll say more about that in a minute, the death of Jesus, the, and that those who follow him also need to have whole-hearted, whole life, and lifelong commitment to follow Jesus. How will this happen? Well, Jesus says he will be lifted up. It's not about being lifted up in honor. Earlier in John's Gospel, Jesus reminds Nicodemus of events years before when Moses lifted up a bronze servant serpent in the wilderness. And Moses had urged the people to look and live. Here's the connection. To see Jesus is to look on the cross and to live. To consider the one who is lifted up for the sin of the world, yours and mine. It speaks about glory. Glorify your name. It is one of the most confusing aspects of John's gospel that Jesus constantly speaks about his death as being about glory. Surely that can't be right. A criminal's death nailed to a cross, a humiliating, gory, shameful way of dying. No, said Jesus, my time has come. I will take the dirt, the humiliation, the pain and the hurt, the sin and the shame of all people in every place and for all time. Glory, you would think, would surely be about triumph, about winning. Is this death on a humiliating Roman gibbet, that kind of glory? Oh. Yes, it is. 
For on the Friday we call good, Caiaphas and his conspirators succeed disastrously. And Jesus is defeated victoriously. And we call this Sunday today, two weeks before Easter, we call it Passion Sunday. For we focus today on the dying Jesus. <laughs> but we know the end of the story. We may be focusing on Good Friday and the cross, but Easter Sunday is coming. The glory. And then Jesus says, but when I am lifted up, I will draw all people. Now, during this Lent, many of us have been zooming in for Bible studies entitled Embracing Grace. And we've explored the true and the joyful message that God's grace is for all people. Of course, it's true that all need to see Jesus, but the glorious message is that all can see Jesus. And the Wesleyan theology has been summarized as all need to be saved, all can be saved, all can know they are saved, and all can be filled to overflowing with God's perfect love. So whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever need you have, whatever you're ashamed of, whatever you bring, all can know the salvation that Jesus brings. Wonderfully, gloriously, God's transforming grace comes to cleanse and renew us but Jeremiah prophesied to write a new law on our hearts. Does God does not leave us as we were. There is a transforming new covenant within us. And God by his Holy Spirit is shaping our lives. That means he's challenging us in all kinds of ways. Our values our attitudes, our behavior, our responses to people, our relationships. The conversation between Jesus and the two Greek men, I assume, was overheard by the crowd. And it goes beyond the verses that we have had read for us today. It goes to verse 36. And here we find the purpose of all this. It is that we, you and me, that we become children of light. Now, light is an important theme. Right through John's Gospel, Jesus is the light of the world. People need to see the light, to receive the light, to become the light for others. Now, earlier, Jesus had promised to those who follow eternal life but it's not just about length but about quality of life lived in the orbit of god's love and that eternal life brings to us the light of life now being a follower of jesus is not just an individual thing the people of jesus are in community 
would give the disciples a new commandment in the upper room, that you love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. So if you're going to be the children of light, how will people see Jesus? They will see Jesus in you. By the light of God shining in us and through us. By your life, by your witness, by your caring, by your sharing of life, by your standing for justice, by your caring for community. So to go back to the question that sparked this conversation, we want to see Jesus. This becomes a significant and timely question. What do we see? We see a dying saviour. In apparent shame, he is draped across the cross. With obvious agony, he takes the pain and the sin, the sin we do, the sin done to us, the fear we feel, the shame we carry. At time, that crucified God weeps for us and with he does this to take the sin and the pain and the fear and the shame and to give us mercy and forgiveness and healing and wholeness and peace and the sense of his presence in our lives. So come near, come close and see Jesus. Offer your life and devotion to him. Receive the mercy and forgiveness that he gives. Receive the life of Christ, which he gives a quality of life characterized by love and joy and peace and justice and kindness. Be children of light. The people will see Jesus in you. God bless you all in this passion tide as we journey towards the cross and resurrection. Amen.